everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome to today's episode of the Make Life Matter podcast. I am so honored to have with me today, Scott McNamara. And if you told Scott, he would go from being an addict in a boy band to committing to full-time ministry and equipping people to spirit-led evangelism, he would likely not believe you, but that's exactly what Scott's journey has been. Along the way, he has been able to connect with people and bring them to Christ with a simple method that Scott is now sharing in his new book that has just released, Jesus at the Door, Evangelism Made Easy. My husband and I just finished reading the book. It's outstanding. It's powerful. And Scott, we are so honored to host you here on the podcast today. Thank you. It's uh, an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, we've already discussed that we have a couple of mutual Friends, acquaintances, I was able to be in Africa and Liberia with evangelist Reinhard Bonnke and evangelist Daniel Kalenda. And you were just sharing before we got on the podcast together that you're actually working with CFAM, which is so exciting. So let us know kind of what's happening there. Yes. Yeah, so we've, um, I can't, we've been kind of building a relationship, uh, me and Daniel, over the past couple of years. And then um, obviously, kindly, he, he agreed to uh, do uh, write the forward for my book. And then we kind of just, things have been getting strengthened since there. So I've been. Out, I was out there in November, um, uh, doing some stuff, uh, kind of podcast filming and different things, and and having some meetings. And then I'm going back out there uh, this week, this uh, next week. Sorry, I'm going to be uh, taking two days to train the boot camp students in uh, Jesus at the door. So I get the privilege to train those 120 radical evangelists in what the Lord has given. And then we're going to be um, talking about yeah, locking things in and how we, how we, we're going to partner together. And those guys are super excited to uh, yeah, bring Jesus at the door into their bosom and use it as a as an evangelistic uh, tool for CFAN and, and, and that way. So, yeah, so there's a lot there's some stuff that's kind of still developing. I can't really talk too much about because we haven't kind of gone public with it. But there's a whole bunch that we're, we're going to be doing and we're excited for what the Lord is is, uh, is bringing in this coming season. I love it. It's so exciting. For those of you that watch this video later, I'm not on video today because I'm having some computer problems, but we can see Scott and behind your head is the picture that goes with this book, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But since it's right there, people to see, tell us, tell us a little bit about this picture and the inspiration for this whole book and the whole evangelism method that is Jesus at the door. Yeah. So the, so the actual image is, is this one here. So this is the image that, that we've been using since um, 2015. And it was illustrated by a man called Charlie Mackesy, who's actually a number one selling author. He just had a book in, in the States as well. The boy, uh, the boy, the the mole, and the fox, and the horse, or something like that, which was a big, mm-hmm. big deal book released by Penguin Books. So he's the guy who who uh, illustrated that. And on the back here, this is a combination a combination of two ministries that we're doing. So um, it is Jesus at the door with a tent. So we are the Lord has called us to tent revivals across the U.S. So this is kind of the two visions merging as one: the tent revival with Jesus at the door. This is the way that we share the gospel, and we'll go out into the communities. Uh, where we do these tent events and we'll share the gospel over a week-long period. And every night we'll invite the people uh, back to our tent where they'll uh, get to uh, uh, have another encounter with the Lord. And so, yeah, that's the image of both of those things coming together. I love it. And it's in the book. And for those of you who can't see it, he's got two pictures on each side. We share, he shakes, 
And that's certainly happening in this last year, especially. And of course, then the gospel, which is keep the main thing, the main thing. And I want to dive into the book in just a few minutes, Scott, but I would love to hear first, just a little bit more about your story and how you transitioned from, you know, as, as we were reading a bio there, uh, you know, a boy band member. So I was a worship pastor. So obviously we have music in common. I wasn't in a boy band. I'm not saying that, but I would love to hear a little bit about that and how God, obviously grab grabbed a hold of your life and is using you so powerfully now. So share a little bit about your story for us before we dive into the book. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, I, I'm friends with lots of evangelists and, and a lot of evangelists that I know, they, they always wanted to be an evangelist kind of from the beginning. And uh, it's kind of interesting for me because, you know, I didn't come out of the spiritual womb uh, crying to be an evangelist. You know, I, I actually just wanted to be a musician when I got saved um, that, that was where I was at. I was at the place where I just want to carry on with the music. And uh, the Lord had to kind of change my heart and really show me that that wasn't who I thought I was. You know, a lot of the times we, we kind of follow our dreams in, in certain areas because we believe that it is so closely aligned with our identity. And for me, it was like that from a young boy, I, I began writing poems and then that turned into songs. And, and I really thought that that was my identity. It was who I was and, and success in that way was the only way I could really fulfill who I was as a person. And, um, and that was kind of the, the dream that I was chasing. And, you know, it was, it was crazy. Things began to really uh, happen quite quickly for us. We were, I was in, uh, I'm from Liverpool originally in England and I was at school and we put this boy band together at school and, and we were rehearsing our lunch breaks and stuff. And then a Nickelodeon TV kind of heard about what we were doing because we, we were getting a following and, you know, like there was like girls sleeping outside our homes and it was becoming quite a sort of popular thing. And we were doing these gigs up and down the country and uh, we were only like 17, 18 years of age at the time and, you know, making it into local press and, and national press then. So that's kind of how it began. And then, be, and then I guess the culmination of it all was when Simon Cowell heard a, uh, a song that I wrote with a guy in, in my band and he said, this is a number one record. And he brought my, uh, brought my band to London and not to audition for him, showcase for him in Nomish Studios, which is where the Spice Girls, Spice Girls actually auditioned. So we performed for Simon Cowell and he said, I'm going to turn you into superstars. Uh, and we were like, that's okay with us. And, um, and this was kind of like where we were at with the whole journey. We were sharing the stage with all the pop glitterati of the day, you know, any, all the biggest pop bands, uh, you know, Backstreet Boys, we did, we did a gig with them. And so all the bands at the time that were really kind of moving forward and making big waves, we were, you know, sharing the stage with these people. And um, at the same time, running parallel was my addiction, you know, I was struggling with alcohol and drugs. And so it, it all was kind of, uh, it all began to fall apart in a number of reasons, but I couldn't really maintain what I was doing um, musically because my life was just in complete disarray and, and it was totally out of control. And I was, uh, everyone who was around me, my band members and everybody knew that, you know, I had severe problems and they were trying to help me. You know, I was a heavy, heavy addict. I was, I was mixing with notorious gangsters and people in my community that were living a very different life from, from a life in the music industry. And it wasn't, it wasn't long before it took me to, uh, to a drug overdose where I saw the gates of hell. And this was when the Lord became real to me. You know, I, I was raised, um, by a single mom, um, in the faith. So I, you know, I'd go along from about the age of nine, I'd go along to, to church at the boys camps and kids camps. And so I was fully aware of the Lord. I, I fully believed in Jesus. Um, I had an encounter with him when I was 15. So I, I was fully uh, aware of the Lord and believed in the Lord. I just wasn't willing to follow him, but it took me into the age of 24 where I stared down the, I was staring down the gates of hell after a drug overdose, a friend of mine, my, my best friend, Odeed in front of me, 
uh, a, a guy I knew, a gangster, gave me $800 in pure cocaine and, and we, we started going through it. My, my friend overdosed, got taken off dead in an ambulance and I stood in the street and I saw the gates of hell open up before me. And I was moving like on a treadmill towards this entry point and I knew in about 60 seconds I would go to hell and I cried out to God, please keep me alive and I'll turn to you. Keep Stephen alive and I'll turn to you. And the Lord in his mercy, he, it was like as if he was holding me by the back of my neck and with one foot dangling over the precipice of eternity, he kept me alive. And, and my friend was resuscitated in the ambulance and discharged the next day. Shortly after I came to know the Lord and my friend Stephen, six months after me, also accepted Christ. And I'm an evangelist and he plants churches. So uh, only the power of God can do that. Wow, what a powerful story. And I've never heard your story, especially not in your own words. So I thank you so much for sharing that. And what encouragement for anyone who feels like maybe their life is just not not going the direction that it needs to go and that God is so passionate in his pursuit of us. I love that. And, uh, and the way he's using you so powerfully now. So, and, and just kind of some cool moments that you had, but, and yet in the middle of all that fame, you were losing you and you were losing your way. And so sometimes we think if I can just get this thing, I'm going to be content or fulfilled, but without Christ at the center of it all, it really is going to crumble. Do you miss music at all? Just out of curiosity, do you still, do you still, are you involved in music in any way? Or is that kind of a, a closed chapter? Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a closed chapter. I mean, uh, I, I think for me, I had to close that door because it was just, it was kind of like, you know, it, it was running through my my veins. It was, mm-hmm. it was everything who, who I was. And um, the Lord spoke to me um, in, in, um, a number of years ago, and, and he, I, I had two clear words. The Lord said, if you give me what you love the most, I'll give you what I love the most. And then he said, give me your music and I'll give you souls. Now, again, up until that point, I wasn't ev- an evangelist. I wasn't looking to be one. I, I was a, a musician. Even after I got saved, I continued to be a musician because, again, I thought that was who I was. But the Lord was inter- intervening and saying, this is who you are. And was trying. So I began to get pulled. I was pulled half towards music. And half towards sharing the gospel. I, I always loved it right from the beginning, but I was always this back and forth. And, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, uh, give me your music, hand it over to me. I'll give you soul. So I went through this grieving process and I laid it all down and I closed mm-hmm. the door completely to it. And that was when people began to get saved. And then, uh, and then it's been this journey for, I think for probably about, um, for about 10 years um it's been it's been kind of this is when that began you know f- for me it was kind of like a, a difficult thing to do but but just about two years ago I felt the Lord awakening something in me again and and um about write, writing again um so I've been doing some spoken word stuff and when I do altar calls I, I kind of release some of the spoken word stuff and it's been crazy like the, the level of anointing the Lord's put on it I mean people get saved in crazy crazy ways so what I've decided to do is um because I still love writing. I just don't really get much time. So I've written a couple of hooks and what I'm going to do, I'm going to um, record. I'm actually due to record uh, soon. I'm going to record like this, this kind of hook It's going to have like a gospel choir thing on it. And I'm going to do like a rap through my spoken word, which I've kind of done a little before. So I'm going to do that with, with the hook, which is, is quite strong. And, uh, and I'm just going to use it for my altar calls. That's, that's the idea. It's actually for our tent revivals. I want to use it for that because it's quite hard hitting. And then, you know, whatever the Lord does with it. But um, my, my purpose of it is to reach lost people, but I want to use my gift uh, in that way. Oh, I love that. Isn't that amazing how God can use something full circle when we surrender it totally. And you even said you had to grieve that. I mean, that's, that's tough to give up. You said, give me what you love the most and I'll give you what I love the most. And now you're in that harvest season 
that that was really um, propelled by your obedience and your surrender. So thank you for that surrender. So let's talk about Jesus at the door. It's a powerful tool. I've had the chance to sit down and talk with Ray Comfort about the way of the master. I was there with Reinhardt and Daniel in Liberia. So I know there's different approaches. Of course, I, I kind of joked that, you know, you could hear a hundred sermons from Reinhard Bonnke, but it was just a whole different way of saying John three sixteen in all different kind of ways it shapes. Cause that really is the message. God loves you. He died for you. He sent his son to die for you. And I've done a lot of work in Africa and uh, I use a lot of images and pictures, especially with the children to help them get a visual of what has separated us from God. So I love your, your visuals. And I've used the salvation bracelets with the different colors. So there's so many different approaches. So tell us a little bit. I know this is a nine step evangelism model that any believer can use to connect with others and share the gospel. There's an equipping card. This is a visual physical tool that comes with the book. So tell us about this model and what is maybe unique and how the Lord gave it to you. Yeah, I think I think what sets it apart and why it's so unique is it was birthed in the harvest fields. So it wasn't birthed in a seminary or even in the in the prayer closet. It was actually birthed in uh, in the fields of life with lost people. So I was employed uh, by a, a gentleman called well, Alan and Catherine Scott, who were my previous pastors. Alan now pastors Anaheim Vineyard, um, where Jeremy Riddle is at, and uh, Catherine wrote the song "Hungry." So uh, they were my pastors in Ireland, and they employed me to be their first time of a uh, first full time evangelist. For me, it was the first time being a full-time evangelist in any capacity. And I was thrust into a position on the streets where I would stand on a street five days a week, all day, every day, and talk to strangers about Jesus. That was my job. And um, and when I stepped into this position, I was extremely nervous. I felt out of my depth, to say the least. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I was bearing some fruit uh, up to that point, but not to the degree of what my pastor was sharing, which was one solid day, it was his desire that I, I lead one solid day. Now, in our community at that time, that was unheard of. Um, but, you know, it, it just was something that we didn't see. So as I stepped onto the streets, the Holy Spirit began to personally school me in what it was to be an evangelist. I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have any uh, ideas that, that I, I knew what I was doing. I really was out of my depth um, totally. But the Lord showed me the first picture and said, Scott, look at all the people. Imagine they're like apples on a tree. And when you share, I'll shake. Now, this was the first image that I had in this process of what Jesus and Jesus and was about to unfold. And, and I understood for the first time in my life that evangelism was partnership. And I didn't know that up until that point. I just thought it was me trying to be like Reinhard or, or whoever I looked up to. How can I copy their sermons or do what they do? I didn't realize that all I had to do was submit to the Holy Spirit and he would guide me and he would lead me. So as I began to stop people and pray for the sick, uh, the Holy Spirit would drop these phrases into my spirit while I was engaging with a lost person in the in the harvest fields of life. I, I talked to them and the Lord would give me a phrase. And I knew that that phrase was so anointed, I could feel it. So I would write it down on my phone. And over a number of months, I ended up with um, these nine points. So the Holy Spirit gave them all to me. It was birthed in that soil of salvation. And then people began to get saved, like, you know, gangbusters. It kind of went crazy. A lot of people accepted the Lord and it began to send ripples throughout the whole province of Northern Ireland. And then it began to people took it into different languages and different nations. And uh, for me, it was all, I was in the middle of the eye of the hurricane. We experienced a move of God where thousands of people came to know Jesus on those streets uh, on, uh, during that three-year period where I, where I worked for three years uh, every day. And uh, it was incredible what we saw. But for me, that is what sets this thing apart, that it has been tried, tested, and birthed 
with non-believers. So that is why uh, it, it packs the punch. It does. Um, and I mean, if I can, uh, this, this um, for me, this is the best way I can describe uh, the, the difference with Jesus. Those, um, 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. And what I believe, why I believe Jesus at the door is so powerful is because the words are the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. I was a conduit to what the Holy Spirit gave me and I'm, I'm just giving it away. And that is why I believe it packs the punch that it does. Wow, that's powerful. You're just a conduit, which is what we all are. But I think we do let those barriers get in the way. We get afraid to share our faith or even, even now in the United States, you know, we're, we're sliding definitely toward a postmodern Christian culture where, you know, you, there's a lot of hoops that you feel like you have to jump through before you can even share about your faith. And so one of the things my husband and I loved about this reading, it is the prompts are really wonderful conversation starters. And you walk into these prompts and you make each step feel very doable. And each chapter has so many of these amazing, rich personal stories that build into the prompts that you're discussing. One of the prompts I really loved was on page 61. It's a sixth prompt, the value of sacrifice. And it says, our main objective is for the individual to have a, re a revelation of the power of the cross and just how personal it is. And then you have these prompts in the back of the book. And one of the questions, if you owed the bank $10,000 and I gave you a check for that amount and you deposited it into your account, what would happen to your debt? So I just thought it was really powerful. Can you expound on that just a little bit? Because I think, and I know this is a long question, but I, I, I sense, especially in this country, I'll only speak to America, even though I've been a lot of other places, there is almost this now, nothing is a sin, anything goes. And without the awareness of sin, there isn't a necessity for the cross. So how can we cut through this kind of false narrative that's happening in our culture, especially with this particular prompt? Yeah, great question. I think I think the way we do it, I think where people have fallen short is they have tried to convince people, they've tried to use their level of rhetoric to convince an individual that they're a sinner. Now, I believe if you can talk somebody into getting saved, somebody else can talk them out of it. What, what the individual needs is an encounter. Uh, they need a power encounter with the with the Holy Spirit. So again, you know, it's playing that role of sharing. He does the shaking, and um, this is kind of what I found. So, so for me, you know, seeing the Holy Spirit convict somebody of sin or or bring that to light. You know, I know in my own life I heard about sin all the time, but but it didn't make any difference to me until the Holy Spirit convicted me. You know, in John chapter sixteen, verse eight, we read, "The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin." So I think we have a lot of people out there with their evangelistic techniques and what they're doing is that they, you know, they're trying with, with a great heart to do something, but where they're going wrong is they're not submitting to the Holy Spirit's uh, leading. So they'll try and tell somebody that, you know, you've done this and you've done that, but you know, if they won't listen to the spirit, then they ain't going to listen to you. So what, what separates Jesus at the door is that we call it a reaping tool. What that means is there's a difference between sowing and reaping. Sometimes it, like I, I phrase it, it's just not your apple. So that apple that, that is going to fall, you know, when you, when you share and he shakes, one of three things happen happens. The apple will fall, it will move a little, or it won't move at all. Now, what some believers do is they'll go and share, and they'll keep sharing uh, until that apple falls, or they'll swing on the branch in an effort, uh, in a bid to make it fall. Sometimes it's not your apple. Let the Holy Spirit worry about what what falls and what doesn't. We've got to be faithful in the sharing. So I think we, what we've tried, we've kind of crossed that line and we've tried to convince people that they're a sinner. And frankly, the, the barriers come down. But 
you've got to let the Holy Spirit do that. And what we're doing with Jesus at the door, we're enabling you to get out of the way in style. You see, the Holy Spirit will lead the whole conversation, every move. He will go before you and convict their hearts if they are an apple that is ready to fall. So we're looking as reapers. Where's the ones that are ready? You know, John 6, 44, Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless the father draws them. So who are the ones that are being drawn today? Let's go and find those ones as opposed to to working in our own efforts, but not really seeing any fruit, if that makes sense. Oh, that's so good. And it really keeps us dependent on the Holy Spirit. I think we 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 just forget that the Holy Spirit really is the one doing the work. We just have to get in cooperation with him, which is with anything. We can't even we can't even interpret scripture and understand what we're reading without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. It points us to Jesus. So if we could grasp that. And then as you were talking, what a great visual about the apples. I could picture us swinging on the tree. This is, this is going to, this one's going to come to Christ, but you're right. If they're not, their heart's not ready. We still have free will. We can't, we can't cross that free will. We wish we could sometimes that's for sure. And you talk about in the book, that door that is locked and the, and the, the handle is on the inside. So the person has to open the door from the inside and, and Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but we have to, to open the door. Um, and I, I was thinking as you were talking, not only the, the analogy of these apples, but the parable of the sower and the seed, which talks about, you know, the word goes forth, but it falls on different kind of soil and it can get choked out or it's too shallow, but it's the seed that falls on good soil. And, and maybe I'm putting on the spot, but how can we discern? And I know we can just say, well, the Holy Spirit will tell you, but help someone who's listening to saying, well, I don't know when, how do I know when the apple is ready to fall? Like, is that, a, is that something you get in prayer? Is that something you're sensing as you get ready to share with someone? Or is it, is it just that in the moment dependency on the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Lord's desire is that none should perish, but, but we know that not everybody is being drawn because not everybody wants the Lord. So there are in every environment, you know, whether you're in a doctor's surgery or at the school gates, picking up your kids at the gas station, grocery store, there are people in all these environments that are ready, that are being drawn uh, to the Lord. Um, it, it is looking through the lens of a reaper as opposed to a, a sower. So how do you know? Oh, who those people, how do you know who those people are? Well, you don't know until you approach them. So my advice is approach everybody because they're all apples um, what's the worst thing that's going to happen is, is you, you've shared. Now, if they don't fall, that's okay. But what I would do, and, you know, I believe that we tune into the Holy Spirit the more we get to know him. But but until that moment, I, I don't always know if somebody is ready until I approach them. And when we share the gospel through this manner, from introduction to salvation, it takes a matter of minutes. Mm. So it's, it's very easy, very, it's not going to take a lot of time. And, you, and it's like process of elimination. After every point that you realize that if the person is ready to, to uh, you know, to take the next step, if you imagine nine steps, we're endeavoring to take the person by the hand and walk them down nine like physical steps at the bottom of the nine steps is Jesus with his arms open wide, waiting to embrace them. Now, if they stop at any, any step, then we don't, you know, we respect that. And we kind of back, not backtrack, but we kind of back off and let them leave them to it. So we're not trying to force anybody or pressure anybody because you can't do that if, you're working in tandem with the spirit. You're just looking for who he's already prepared, like a treasure hunt. Uh, you know, the treasure's there. We're going to look and try and find it, you know? That's so good. I like your distinction between the sower and the reaper that really we're reaping when the, and, and Jesus even said the harvest is ripe, but we have to be ready to know and sensitive to the Holy spirit. If, if this person and boy, God can do something in a, in a second while you're talking to someone, he can give you just the right word and just the right phrase and an open door. 
Yeah, and, and the gospel, I mean, the gospel is enough. The gospel it unlocks, you know, in a heart, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, it has that much power. I remember hearing Judas Smith speak in person once, and he said, I wonder if the gospel would work best if we let the gospel do its work. Okay. You know, sometimes we just get all, we get all up in the way, and the gospel is enough. I mean, Paul said that. The God, keep the main thing, the main thing. I preach Christ. I, cre- I preach Christ crucified. It's powerful. The gospel is powerful. You've seen it over and over and over the power of the gospel. It's more powerful than any situation we might be facing the challenges of a pandemic, the challenges of a contentious culture. It really doesn't matter. It crosses borders. You've been in Ireland. You've been in England. We've been Mm -hmm. in Africa. Your book is going to be everywhere. So I I just, I love the power of this. And I feel like it's not just for leaders. Although my pastor, our, our pastor, my husband read it and then he passed it on to our evangelism coordinator at the church. Uh, which I know Matt is going to love reading it, but would you feel like this is a book that anyone can benefit from, whether they're a leader or not, just to even grow in their faith and their confidence to share Christ? Yeah, I mean the the key the key is you know with um with with sharing the gospel when Jesus gave the great commission, he didn't pull the evangelists to one side and tell everybody else to grab a Starbucks, you know, like he gave the great commission to all disciples. So this is something that we're all called. Uh, not, not just suggested that we do, but commanded to do. So every single believer is going to, you know, have to give an account for that great commission that they were included in. So I don't see how how it's become optional uh, in the church these days. Oh yeah, you're the evangelist, and and I'll, I'll do this, and I'll pray, and I'll, I'll whatever. You know, like the truth of it is, is the great commission was for all of us. Now the evangelist should lead the charge for sure, but every single disciple needs to have a way that needs to have um be prepared to give an answer to the hope that's inside of them. Everyone needs to be able to step out and make disciples and share the gospel. How can we, you know, if somebody was dying of cancer and you had a the, the medicine to to give to them that would change their life? And you didn't give it to them. What kind of person would you be? Well, we have that medicine and, and is the gospel. And not only will it save them from from this physical death, it will save them from eternal death. So, you know, we need to get we need to get better at it. And um, frankly, to get better means to open our minds and say, I'm included in this great commission. And, and if we do that, then we can begin to take steps to see that actually it is not, uh, you know, it's not too intimidating. You know, we specialize in taking people who have never done this and, and caused them to bear fruit. So I was like, I was telling you in November, I was in Florida with CFAN and I, I, after I was done with them, I went and trained the church for the weekend, uh, a little down South. And there was a man of 50, I think it was 56 years, a believer never led one soul to Christ. And I trained him up. He was an older, older gentleman, trained him up with the team, took him out for a couple of hours. And he went and he led a gentleman to the Lord. Uh, the man was crying. He had a card. He, he, he went through it. The guy was crying accepted Jesus the next day this gentleman was sat with his new convert in church listening to me preach on a Sunday morning Mm. and uh, gave testimony of this story 56 years my nine-year-old daughter last year led a gentleman to the Lord he began to cry as he felt the power of the the Lord touch him and accepted the Lord my my four my um seven-year-old boy uh, last year prayed for during the pandemic I prayed for a man in a grocery store. His name was Bob. As as my seven-year-old boy put, put his hand on the man's shoulder and my five-year-old daughter had his, had her hand on the other shoulder, the man broke down and began to weep as he felt the power of God over him. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not the power of your presentation that leads to salvation. It is the power of the gospel. So we need to realize the gospel is the power. And if we would begin to start trusting the Holy Spirit and the gospel, then we'll see that we're included in this great commission and we can bear fruit. Wow. I couldn't even write that down fast enough. It is not the power of your presentation that leads to salvation. It's the power of the gospel. 
And boy, doesn't that just get our ego out of the way, get our fear out of the way. And there's nothing like the thrill of seeing someone except Christ. There really isn't any greater rush. I don't care how full of a Coliseum you're singing for the power of one person saying yes to Jesus and, and, and plundering hell to populate heaven, as Reinhardt would say, there's nothing like it. So I want people to know where they can go to get your book, Scott, and how they can connect with you. Um, your website, all of that, I'll put it in my show notes as well. Yeah, so the book is available through um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Baker House Publishing, or I mean, generally, if you kind of type it in Google, it'll come up in a, in a host of different places. Most most stores will have it also. You can order it, or JesusAtTheDoor.com. You can order it from our website also, uh, which is where you'll find all the information about what we do. Uh, I'd recommend if you guys are interested in this, I'd recommend check out our YouTube channel. Uh, I, I film a lot of our encounters as I go around. You know, I, I've been in the Portland riots, the Chop Zone, uh, more more kind of adventurous ones, but even just the everyday. You know, I, 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 li- I live this life this way. Like after we finish this call, um, an hour after this call, I will go and uh, with a friend of mine, and we're going to go around the neighborhood and we'll share the gospel. It's something that I do as a, as a daily uh, lifestyle. I don't have to, but I can't help it because it is, uh, it is what I love to do. But, mm-hmm. but we do that and I, I will have a camera and I'll film all of these encounters and then we upload them on our YouTube channel as a, a whole series of them. And you can see people's lives that have been changed through this simple method you know the bible talks about lasting fruit and and i believe that how do we know where the lord is moving because there is fruit there and lasting fruit so we've just released what's called the journey of a disciple we're just um, about to release our third video and we have these videos of in about five minutes we capture the journey of a disciple from the moment from my camera filming their moment of conversion to them growing into through the waters of baptism entering the waters of baptism to them then becoming a disciple making disciples and we've documented these journeys and they're actually absolutely incredible. Um, so I'd encourage you guys check out Jesus at the door on YouTube and there's training videos and a whole manner of things on there. Wow. So great. So great. I didn't even know you had the video, so I'll have to look into those as well and, and uh, check all that out. And I, 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 now I want another half hour just to hear about your experience in the chop zone, but that's a conversation for another day because we're almost out of time, but you are brave and it's obvious that the power of the Holy spirit is what is guiding you and is out in front of you behind you you know he's above us under us the whole nine yards but in us first and foremost and with him we are really literally unstoppable so i want to ask you one more quick question scott before we close i'm invite you to pray over our audience especially for anyone first of all maybe you stumbled on this podcast today and you don't even know jesus and you need to unlock that door from the inside we don't want to, to end the podcast without praying for you. Or if you're just terrified about sharing your faith, maybe you're like that 50 something year old man who's never led someone to Christ. And, and now you're going to have the tools. I, it's a very easy book to read. It's conversational. It's doable. It demystifies evangelism. It puts it in very practical terms. And Scott, we need to keep you in our prayers because you're on the front lines and the enemy does not like what you're doing. So we're going to believe for greater territory, your work with CFAN and literally around the world. But here's my last question. So I want to know when you get to heaven, and I, I'm really curious now, as I've heard your story, I, sometimes I can guess the answer before they say it, but I really don't know what you're going to say. So when you get to heaven, other than Jesus, what person in the Bible do you want to talk to first? And what question do you want to ask them? Can I ask you who, who you thinking I was going to say? I don't know. Maybe Paul, just because he had this Damascus road experience. I, 
I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn a little between between Paul and David. Hmm. We'll, we'll be here, I'm torn between. Uh, David, because my thing with David is, you know, what, what did it feel like staring down Goliath? You, you know, like in order to do that, you know, because the, the background of, you know, in context, Goliath had been there for 40 days, shouting down the armies of Israel. David's there dropping off some pizza, um, you know, bread and cheese. Uh, so kind of that was his his job. And then suddenly he hears the voice of the giant. And in that moment, he chooses to step in. You know, he didn't go home and pray about it. Like like in that moment, he's like, I'm going to face this man. Like, how did it feel uh, to to do that? What Where was his faith at? What, where was his head at? And then for, for the Apostle Paul, I'd love to know just like what he went through, you know, working with new believers. You know, our, our mandate uh, at Jesus at the door, the beating heart is disciples. So, you know, you talked about the joy of seeing somebody get saved. And I totally agree. And we have this phrase that when a face changes. So we work with, we disciple uh, through our new believers groups. But when we see a face change, that's when we know, OK, uh, you know, we're happy. Let's move on to the next one. So that's what we we, we invest in people until the moment where their face changes on them. Um, and then they begin to kind of do the other, the, the same to others. But, but for me, you see a lot of heartache working with new believers. It's very messy. Making disciples is a very messy business, mm. which is why most of the church are not doing it. You can't do it through a coffee once a week. You can't do it from your armchair. It's up close and personal. It's going to cost you financially, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. Um, so uh, the apostle Paul went through a lot of mess because he was willing to get up close and personal. There you know, people turning on him and all kinds of mess. So for me, I just love, I've been through a lot of this and i'd love to just hear from him you know how he how he got through that and and, and where the lord was uh, in, in that process you know so i think every day of our lives we've got to be as evangelists especially what is it that's going to make us uncomfortable because the lord's always calling us to grow deeper that's so good you've said so many great things today some of you guys need to go back and push pause and listen to it again or share it with your pastor this is such a great episode for pastors and leaders like you said, we're all evangelists. So this is not like a, just a small section. It's, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. And we're all supposed to be doing it. And, and I'm going to again, repeat what you said earlier. It is not the power of your presentation that leads to salvation. It is the power of the gospel. It's enough today, just like it was in Paul's day, just like it was enough for David with his slingshot and a stone. He didn't need to go in Saul's armor. He couldn't wear all that. We don't need to go in all the trapping of the world. We just need to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony that we don't love our lives even unto death. So thank you, Scott, for being such an example of that. I'm just going to invite you to close by just praying of our audience. Guys, go get Jesus at the door. It sounds weird to say that. Go get Jesus is at the door, but go get the book. Jesus is at the door. And even your children, I love what you're saying. Even kids can, can model this and can share their faith and, and be bold. And we need it. Our culture needs it. Our world needs it. We need the gospel more than maybe ever before. So thank you, Scott. Thank you for your obedience. And I'd love for you to pray over us today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Father, we just praise you, Lord. We thank you for giving your son to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you would be willing to die on a cross for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you would take what was ours, Lord. You would take those those uh, stripes, that scourging, Lord. You would take uh, the, the punishment that was ours upon yourself so that we could be free and that we could be uh, in a relationship with you. So I thank you for your love to us, Lord. And I just pray for everybody watching this, 
that this morning, this evening, whatever time of day, I pray that you'd awaken them and I pray you'd bring them back to their salvation moment. I know that most of us talked about you a lot more when we first got saved than we do now. So I ask you to bring us back, bring us back to the moment where it was real and remind us what it feels like to be lost. Remind us what it felt like to be lost and drowning. Lord, I pray you'd awaken your church in these days and let it begin with us. Lord, awaken those that we've been given so much, Lord, we've become fat like kings while others are starving all around us. So, Lord, would you awaken us to see, and I pray anyone watching who doesn't know your love, you'd open their heart to receive the greatest love story that was ever told. In your name, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.